Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. If you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and open to Exodus chapter 6 is where we'll be. And if you were not here last week, maybe due to spring break or something else happening in your family, uh, we were in chapter 5 last week. And one of our elders, Jeff Herman, did an excellent job uh, uh, giving us a challenging message last week. And so uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to continue to build off of that. But what we heard last week was the f- famous phrase, those great words from Moses, let my people go. And when Moses and Aaron came before Pharaoh and said that great phase, Pharaoh, phrase, Pharaoh said uh, in his heart and in fear said, yes, go. Right? No, that's not what he said. He, he said, uh, actually, no, you're not going to leave. And not only that, I'm going to make your life worse. I'm, I'm going to take your resources away from you. The, the slavery that I have you in, I'm, I'm going to make it harder for you. And not only harder for you, but Moses as well. And so at the end of chapter 5, we see Moses' response to God, basically asking God, God, what have you done? At this point, Moses thinks it can't get any worse. Moses has hit rock bottom and he is so discouraged. And this morning, what we'll see through chapter six is that God cares about Moses' discouraged heart. And the same is for us today. That God cares about your heart. He cares about your mind. He cares about your doubts and your fears. All those things that fuel your discouragement, those feelings of depression. He, carries, he, he, he cares about your worries that discourage you and that keep you frozen with anxiety. And anxiety that seems to run many of our lives. So I don't know where you are at right now. I'm not there, I'm not discouraged right now, but I could be tomorrow, right? As soon as I step off this platform, discouragement could hit. But where are you this morning? Are you discouraged? Great. Well, not great, but you'll be able to take what we learned today and apply it. But we all know that there will be a day when we will be discouraged, we will feel like we have hit a wall that we cannot get around because it's common to all of us. There will be a time in our life where we will hit rock bottom. But the amazing thing is when we hit rock bottom in our life, when we hit those walls in our life that seem unpassable, it causes us to stop and it causes us to look up and to go, God, where are you? God, I want to trust you. That's what discouragement causes us to do. So in the text that we're going to see this morning, we're going, to, we're going to look at God's response to Moses at his time of rock bottom. Remember, Moses went to Pharaoh. He said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said no. And he, and he made it worse for them. He made life harder for them. So let's look at first Moses' response to God. And we've got to, in order to see that, we have to go back to Exodus chapter 5 in verse 22. So if you've got your Bibles there, go ahead and read that with me, along with me. It says, Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? 
For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Moses was in a bad spot, right? He is in the midst of his discouragement, but he does the right thing, right? In the midst of his discouragement, he does the right thing. He calls out to God. And what we'll see in the text this morning is that in his discouragement, God meets him. God meets him, and what does he do? What does he do? He reminds Moses of all the things that he has forgotten about God. And God does the same for us. In our times of discouragement, in our times when we hit those walls, he meets us. God meets us in our discouragement. So to help us understand how God meets Moses, we must look closely then at Moses's, uh, what, what Moses said to God. Because God answers all of Moses' questions, all of his doubts, all of those things that fuel his discouragement. And in a lot of ways, we can find ourselves in those questions that Moses asks and those doubts when it comes to our walk and our faith and our relationship with God. So go with me back, chapter 5, verse 22. Then Moses turned to the Lord. Do you see that in your Bibles, right? Capital L-O-R-D. This is the Hebrew word Yahweh translated into English. It's, it's God declaring who he is. Remember, he said, I am who I am. I'm the God who keeps his promises. So when we see capital L-O-R-D as we're reading scripture, we need to know that this is God declaring his faithfulness, his grace. This is the God who pledges himself to his people. Now let's look what happens next in that same text. Then Moses turned to the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, and he said, O oh Lord. Do you see it? What's the difference? It's lowercase, right? It's lowercase. That's a translation from the word Adonai. Adonai means Lord or Master. And this is a big deal because Moses has forgotten who God is. He's forgotten the relationship that God has been wanting to enter into with him. So now let's go to chapter 6, verse 1. This is God's response. God reminds Moses who he is and what he is doing. So in verse 1 of chapter 6, God is letting Moses know that, hey, Moses, it's okay. I've got Pharaoh right where I want him. He says this, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will send them out. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. So I hope we all grasp what the Lord is telling Moses here. He's not just saying that Pharaoh will let your people go. He'll let just my people go. No, he's telling Moses that Pharaoh will drive them out. And what we'll see in a couple weeks um, from now is Pharaoh's not only going to drive them out of Egypt, but he's going to send them with a lot of swag, right? He's going to send them with a lot of stuff, uh, which is actually promised in chapter 3. And hold on to that word promised, okay? So God tells Moses, I've got this. But more than that, he continues to remind Moses who he is. He says, verse 2, I am the Lord, capital L-O-R-D. But not just that. God reminds Moses 
of the different kind of relationship that he has with Moses. That, that he did not have with those who were before him. Look there in verse 2. God said, I, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, I did not make myself known to them. This is a big deal. Right? There's a big difference between knowing the God who makes the promise and knowing the God who fulfills the promise. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew the Lord. They had a real walk with God. But Moses and this generation will know God even more. Will know him in a way far surpassing the way of the earlier generations. But what does this say about us? See, we have seen God revealed in even more than those of the days of Moses. We've seen him revealed in glory and truth through his son, Jesus. And we can know him more, hundreds of times more. So let's keep moving forward. Why, why did Moses find himself discouraged? Well, first, as we saw, because he forgets God's name. Secondly, he forgets God's character. He attributes, he attributes evil to God. Five, uh, chapter 5, verse 22. Why have you done evil to this people? He's blaming God for what Pharaoh is doing. Chapter 6, verse 5. He reminds Moses of his character and of his great love for his people. He says, I've heard the groaning of the people. I've remembered my covenant. Now, this word remembered, we can't forget here that, that God doesn't forget. Remember, Derek talked about that a couple of weeks ago. To say that God remembers is to say that he is doing exactly what he promised. He's doing what he's promised. So God never forgets. And this leads us to the final reason Moses finds himself discouraged. See, God doesn't forget his promises, but Moses did. Remember, God told Moses that Pharaoh was not going to let them go unless a mighty hand was upon him. See, in the same way, we are like Moses. We find ourselves discouraged because we forget who God is, we forget his character, and we forget his promises. Like Moses, we remember the good promises, but the difficult ones we forget. Let, let me show you how we do this with the words of Jesus. John chapter 16, verse 33. You don't have to turn there. It'll be up on the screen, but if you want to jot it down. It says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Peace. I love peace. You guys like peace, right? Peace is a good thing. We all want peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That sounds great. Jesus says, overcome the world. But do we miss it? I think a lot of times we do. We miss what's in the middle. In the world, you will have what? Tribulation. You will have trouble. You will have hard times. We hear the good and we skip over the hard. And then when things get hard, we point at God and we blame him and say, God, why? And unfortunately, this has created such a false Christianity, a false following of God. Because we forget God's words to us. And we create in our minds a Christianity without problems. 
which is not the Christianity of the Bible. It's not what we're told in Scripture. See, church, we live in a broken world. We will have tribulation. We will have troubles. We will have problems. We will have discouraging moments. We will hit walls in our life, but take heart. Christ has overcome the world, which is promised. It's promised. Hold on to that. So let's continue in Exodus. This is, this is really neat. God, God meets us in our discouragement by reminding us of his promises. Look in verse 6. And we start to see in verse 6 a bunch of I will statements. He says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God. I will bring you into the land. I will give it to you for a possession. See, these I will statements are extremely powerful. But what's amazing about these statements are that they're not just God saying, I will, but they're saying, I've already done it. It's already done. And we miss this in translation from Hebrew. These I will statements are in the past tense. So this is God telling Moses to tell the people, I will and I have. And we can read God's promises the same way. I will and I have. It's done. You can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. And this is how God meets us in hard times. This is how God meets us in discouragement. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. Follow me and you can come out of this. God, through his word, reminds us that we are redeemed through the blood of his son, Jesus. He has made us his people through Jesus. Through Jesus, he is our God. Jesus is preparing a place for us. So in our hardship, in our discouragement, when we hit those walls, God wants to meet us, reminding us of his name, that he is God. We can trust him, reminding of us his character, of his great love for us and reminding us of his promises and all the things that he has answered through his son, Jesus. And I said, yes, God wants to meet us. But look in verse 9. Moses Moses goes and tells the people of Israel what the Lord is going to do, but because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery, they didn't listen. And this is rock bottom for Moses. So he questions the Lord again in verse 10. He says to the Lord, so the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Now, not only does God have Pharaoh right where he wants him, he has Moses right where he wants him. See, Moses makes that statement at the end of this verse, I am of uncircumcised lips. Before when Moses, if you guys remember, what what was Moses' excuse to not 
obey God in, in his calling. He said, I, I stutter, right? I, I, I don't speak eloquently. Now Moses objects because he recognizes who he is. He recognizes that he's a sinner. He recognizes that I am of uncircumcised lips. I am not set apart. I am unholy. In our times of discouragement, God wants to meet with us. God wants to meet us, and he will meet us. We must come to this point, though, of recognizing, God, you are holy and I am not. I am a sinner, desperate for you. We must get here. Let's continue. Look at verse 13. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. So God tells Moses, you're right. I picked the wrong people. I should go find somebody else. No. That's not what he does. He gives them a charge, right? I, I would have loved to have heard that timeout speech, right? We're all watching uh, NCAA March Madness right now. Coaches call timeout and they come on, right? And that's God right here. He tells them to get back in the game. See, Moses wanted to quit after his first setback. But God says no. God says, I know who you are. I know what I've called you to do. He says, no longer are you going to just ask, but now you're going to command. You're going to command the people of Israel and Pharaoh. So let's keep moving forward in the text. And, and this is now where we see that at rock bottom, God prepares us for his purposes. So, so God not only meets us during our, our times of discouragement, but now God prepares us for his purposes. So if you've read this section of scripture before, you'll see that there's a break from, chapter, from verse 13 to verse 28. And what fills that break is a genealogy. And I'm not going to read it because you guys will just laugh at me trying to pronounce names. Okay, But in verse 28... God tells Moses again to go and tell Pharaoh all that he has done, all that he has told Moses. And Moses responds again, how will Pharaoh listen to me? That's verse 28. But let's ask a question of the text really quick. Why did Moses put this genealogy right here? The, the point of, of looking back at your ancestry is to see where you have come from. What's the story? How has God worked? As you look back at your history, you know, you, you think of ways that God has used situations and circumstances to shape who you are, to make you who you are. And look at why he's placed you where you are today. Now, I don't know if this is the case, but it's possible that Moses gives us a break between the two times that he questions God's plan to remind us that God prepares us for his purposes. Genealogies are there to remind us where we have been, and I can imagine Moses writing and then being reminded of all that God has orchestrated to get Moses right where he needs to be. See, the Lord allows things to happen in our lives to prepare us for future purposes. 
God is allowing, God is not allowing anything to happen that he is not going to use to draw others to himself. And now I know I use this verse a lot, but it's such a great reminder and such an encouragement to me during hard times. Romans 8, verse 28. For all things work together for good. There's a purpose. There's a plan. And it's God's plan, which is much better than anything I can come up with. I love Paul's encouragement in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. He says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction. So God's comforting us, but check this out. So that, there's a purpose. So that, why do we get comfort from God? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God allows us to go through times to be used for purposes, for purposes to love your neighbor, to encourage others, to draw others to him. So as Moses was looking back at his history, I'm sure it was a great reminder to him to remember that God has a purpose and he doesn't send us out alone. He doesn't send us out unprepared. And so the final point for this morning, what I want us to see, is that God sends us out for his glory. God sends us for his glory. So once we get to the place in our discouragement, in our hard time, once we hit that wall hard enough, where we recognize that I cannot do this on my own, I need the Lord completely, then the Lord uses us. And somewhere between chapter 6, verse 30, and chapter 7, verse 1, Moses responds to God in obedience. And then the Lord instructs Moses and Aaron on what to do, and he tells them what to do and what's going to happen. So verse, chapter 7, verse 1. See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. See, God encourages Moses and Aaron by saying, in the sight of Pharaoh, you, will be, you won't be just Moses and Aaron. You will be like me, the image of an unseen God, of the unseen God. So you shall speak all that I command you. And your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But look, God instructs them again. It's, it's not going to happen as you will want it to go. Verse 3, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. The hardening of Pharaoh's heart causes some confusion and trouble for people today. But we must remember that it's God who is in control. And he has a purpose for his control, which we see in verses 4 and 5. Read with me. Then, then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. The results of his mighty judgment and the hardening of Pharaoh's heart would be that Egypt would know that he is God. That the God of the Israelites is the one true God. And it's all for his glory. So God sends us out today. 
God sends us out for his glory and his glory alone today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world, so let your light shine. That light is Christ within us. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So even in the midst of hardship, even when we feel like we cannot go any further, we are so discouraged. God has a purpose. He's going to meet us and remind us who he is. And he reminds us that he's prepared us for such a time as this. And he sends us out for something so much greater than something good for us. He sends us out for his glory so that we may shine the light of Christ. But let's close with this this morning. You will have tribulations. You will have hard times in this life. You will hit walls that uh, seem impassable. You will have discouragement. And the most difficult verse to read in this section of Scripture today is chapter 6, verse 9, where Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery. See, Moses just spoke the word of God, the word of the Lord to them. Moses told the people, this is what God has said. We, thinking now, reading back, would go, okay, that's what God said, let's do it, right? We're going to trust him completely. The Lord talks to us all the time through his word, and we go, ah, right? But we need to trust God. But they didn't listen because they, had, they were because of their broken spirit. Broken spirit is about what's going on inside of them. See, sometimes life and pain can do something in, in, our, in our heart where our soul gets so broken that it's really hard to hear the truths of God's word. Now, God can break through. God can speak. God can do what God does. But there's something on this side of eternity within our own soul, where it's just hard. It's hard to hear because of what's going on in here. But it's not only what's going on in here. There is also harsh slavery, and that's what's going on around us. There's stuff going on inside of us, but there's also stuff going on around us where life is really painful. It's so hard that we can't hear God's word. We can't hear what the Lord has to say to us. So I wonder if some of us in this room are going through this today because of what's going on in your life and what's going on around you. It's just hard to hear God. It's hard to hear the good news of the gospel because of what's going on in your heart and around you. Church, here's the deal. We are either in the middle of something difficult, we're coming out of something difficult, or we're getting ready to go in to something difficult. And the problem is not the difficulty. The problem is not the hard times. The problem is not the discouragement. The problem is how we respond to it. Instead of doing what Moses did and stopping and crying out to God and calling out to him. See, the, in a lot of ways, we respond in two ways to difficulties and problems. The first way we respond is we try to control it. 
And we say, God, I've got this. You can stay out of it. I can handle this. Basically telling God, stay out of my life, is, which, is what Pharaoh tried to do. And we can see how that ended for him. It's an illusion. Control is an illusion. It's not real. Or we try to escape it. We hit these walls in our life, and we try to escape them. And we turn back and we say, okay, well, my marriage is struggling right now, so therefore I'm going to go back and I'm going to read a book about five steps to a better marriage. Or, or I'm struggling with my kids right now, so I'm there. I just got to learn more about how to deal with these situations. I just need to sell more. I need to earn more. I need to escape from this hard time. The problem is these approaches lead to two different, way, two different things, despair or pride. Despair because we realize it didn't work. I tried all these things and nothing's working. And I just become more and more discouraged. Or pride because I did these five steps and they worked. Look at me. I've overcome. But we've realized we've never gotten rid of the actual issue or the rock or the wall that's in front of us. Both of these approaches to discouragement and hard times trust only in us or trust in something other than God. And that's called idolatry, which the Bible calls a rebellion or sin, which leads us further and further away from God. So all the ways that we try to make things better for ourselves is actually making things worse and piling up sin so at rock bottom, when you hit a hard time in your life, what did we learn today? Don't focus on yourself, but turn to God. Turn to God and trust him. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't just wrestle with the things that are going on in your heart. Turn to God. He wants to meet us. Not only does he want to meet us and show us about all his greatness, but he wants to show you how he's preparing you for something even greater. And that greater is him sending us out for his glory, which is much greater than anything that we could do in and of ourselves. Let's pray.